kid. Virgil, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play ball. So let's start with your product, the perfect throw. So why did you and Alex develop the product? And there are so many tools to pitching. So what does the perfect throw do that's different than any of those other tools? Yeah, so the tool um, solved the problem of teaching arm path. So I was uh, I learned arm path myself. I reconfigured my whole uh, throwing motion. And through that process, I used a lot of different tools. And then having to teach it to this guy, who's my first... Uh, I guess student you could say was Juan Gomez and we tried everything and then we ended up creating thing with a ball two balls and a pipe between it you know and it's evolved to something greater than that now um so it came out of necessity to teach him uh how to actually throw properly and one of the biggest things I saw him do was that his front side was flying open like he couldn't wait for his hand to come in inside a 90 and and then power that whip so because of that, I created this like elongated shaft that made it happen because if he did turn, then it would hit him. So uh, and in doing that, uh, then I collaborated with Alex and I, and I showed this idea to Alex and then we came up with the perfect throw. So what is the most common challenge you see with younger athletes in achieving good, healthy arm actions? Patience. So we're so... We want to throw so hard and we want to throw so fast that we're just like lift and go, lift and go. And the throw, right, because it's a pitching tool and a throwing tool. So the throw is is a relaxed, like you're powering, we say power in the relax. Like you, you move your arm path down, you know, we call it the loading arc, down inside 90, the rev arc where, you, where you're accelerating that whip that goes on behind your back and then the accelerating arc through finish. So... You know, the biggest problem we see is that patience because the throw is an up and then an in feeling and then a throw, not an up and go. And, you know, the old classic cues are, uh, you know, thumb to the thigh, ball to the sky, you know, or like these different cues where you start an L and then you go. And it, when you, the, mo the moment you do that, your hand falls out of 90, outside of 90 and you feel this stress go through your shoulder joint. Uh, so it's training that that extra it's not a long time that your hand has to come in but it feels like a long time if you've never done it so when people use the term arm strength i know some people start uh using muscling up also so how does thinking in revolutions of circles help pitchers increase their velocity well if you move linearly if you move in a straight line the energy you create to get to the end of the movement before you change directions, all of that energy and momentum and velocity has to stop. And then from that next position to move forward, you have to start the energy again. So if I have a long arm path and, I'm, and I move in a straight line, then when I reach back, I, my arm stops. And then when I go forward, now I have to restart all of that energy. And if I move in arcs and circles, now from my first movement, from where I start taking the ball out of the glove to my release point, is going to be one continuous momentum, momentous movement. So now I can really understand, I can feel, and then inside of that, because uh, if you look, if you watch a whip, a whip always is uncoiling down to the tip, right? It's this, it's this arc, uh, it's this, this half circle, you could say, that keeps moving down to the end. 
And so that's how you want to necessarily, that's how you want to feel is that this arc that's unfolding, unraveling, and then, and then really whips at the end. So can you tell us about your new sprocket drill? Oh, the sprocket. <laughs> I actually, uh, I've done it for a couple of years now, uh, but just released it to the public. <laughs> and, uh, I learned because a friend Ryan Spielberg of some Japanese players doing it in the outfield. So I didn't necessarily invent it, but the Japanese do it to warm up their arms and they do it as a, as a warm up before they go throw. And so I started doing it because it was the exact arm motion and arm pattern movement that you want to have in your throw. And, but it's now you're coiling the torso back and forth and you start slow and you go faster, faster. So you're warming up the torso, you're warming up the spine, you're warming up, relaxing your hand, you're warming up the movement pattern. And you can also do it with your left arm. So now you're doing it right arm, left arm, right arm, left arm. So now the left arm, it's so confusing and you're like, ah, it's stiff. There's no relaxation. Um, so you get to teach yourself how to move your throwing arm if you're right-handed and, and from watching also the stiffness of your, of your other side. Uh, but I love it. It's a, it's kind of a funny looking thing. Uh, but it really, it really works. I, have you tried it yet? Yes. I tried it this morning. It was definitely <laughs> dis- difficult. <laughs> it looks simple though, doesn't it? It looks very simple, especially when you do it. It looks very, especially with the left arm. It looks very simple. It was yeah. Not that simple. So how do you define what a good teammate is? And then how does the definition change from you becoming a uh, player and now into a coach? Mm. That's, that's a good question. So let's start. You have to ask me the second one after I finish the first one. So defining a good teammate. Defining a good teammate. A good teammate is one that when they're watching the game, they root for your success. Right? Because uh, I actually am guilty of this. I'd be watching a game, and some part of me would like, oh, if he fails, that means my yesterday game would look okay because he was bad and I was bad. Right, so something inside of me was saying that, but once I started the, like wanting the other to success, it also actually allowed the success of myself to be greater, because now I was happy for him, and, and how he was doing was actually pushing me to be better rather than trying to bring him down. Um, another thing that I've learned is that uh, a good teammate watches the other teammates, so you're paying attention to your teammates. So. Say you have a one, you know your your buddy's the, the two hole hitter in the lineup, and he comes in the dugout, and he's like, "Man, I just don't know what's going on." And you've watched him his whole season, and you're like, "Man, well, you look like this. You used to look like that." Or, "Man, I could see that your energy, or I could see what are you thinking about." Or, and then because you've paid attention to more than just your own playing time, that now you can help him, and then he has more success, right? So you're lifting the people around you to have more success. Um, a good teammate's always also accountable. You know, and a good teammate, you know, so you, the others don't have to like wait on you. The others can, can count on you to show up when it's time. Um, you know, those are three things, I guess, uh, you know, there's, there's others, but those are three things I would want to say. And then the second part of that question, how do you think that your definitions changed uh, from now you're done being a player and you're now coaching? How do you think that's changed for you? I don't know if it's changed. I want to say that it's highlighted because as a player, you're kind of in the circle. And as a coach, you're in the circle, but you're more observing from a different perspective. So you get to see how certain teammates can affect other teammates. And what I've learned is that 
the the positivity or the negativity that is brought into the the the, the team chemistry really affects the whole. You can have one guy that really brings the rest down, and you can have one guy that really brings the rest up. And you can have a bunch of collective people that come together that just feed off of each other in a positive way. Um, so what I've seen is that, you know, you, like if you were to take this, like what I look for is if we take this one pitcher out, how much different is the daily activity? And sometimes it's a lot different. And, you know, hopefully it's in a, it's not as fun or it's not as successful if they take that out. You know, does that make sense? So you want to like be about the cohesiveness. So for me as a coach, and now it's just more watching how they interact and then helping, helping uh, the players become good teammates if they have a shortcoming that they can't see so that now we can all you know, get to the end and win a ring together. So where can people find out more about you and the perfect throw? Uh, we have a website, revolutionthrowing.com. Uh, you head there. Our phone number is 321-234-4717. So you can call or text us. So that's 321-234-4717. We get texts, calls anytime. Um, our Instagram, Revolution Throwing, Twitter, uh, Rev Throw. And we just started TikTok. <laughs> we just started. <laughs> I, someone said, I don't know you're TikTok famous. I'm like, I'm not. It's only 170,000 views. It's not that many. <laughs> There's some people with a lot of stuff out there, but it's a fun outlet. Um, but anywhere we are, just contact. We're available. We offer free consultation with purchase. So people send us videos. We send them a video back. Um, just trying to be real hands-on because me and Alex – we really want to change the world. We want to change the belief that throwing is a natural movement. Throwing can feel good and that, that there is a possibility because I used to think that if you threw, you're going to break. If I'm throwing, it's going to hurt. And so, and I have to do all these things to have a healthy throw. When throwing comes from the movement pattern, it comes from your mindset, and then you add lifting to the throw. You add power to that mindset and to that throw. So that's what we want to do. Okay, final question. Who is one hitter you hated to face and why? I'm going to tell you it's not one, it's one type. So when I was playing in the big leagues, it was the Japanese players. Matsui, Fukudome, these guys. Like I couldn't figure out. I bet it would be different now. But back then, I couldn't figure out how they would pause up there, the bat angle, the bat path. They all took me deep, man. I, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Virgil, thank you so much for playing ball. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alan Yeager, for the review this week. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they restore the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.